0: Thank you so much. And a belated Happy New Year, if I haven't already spoken to you. Why don't we just say a Happy New and a welcome to everyone in Kingsgate, Cambridge. Great to see you guys, to be with you today, Kingsgate, Leicester, and all those online. Uh, I don't particularly like January. I don't like um, dark mornings and dark nights. One thing I love about January is the start of a new year. And I like the start of a new year because it's a time for us to seek God, to sort of reflect back on last year and to set our course for all that the Lord has for us in 2023. You expectant for what the Lord has for you in 2023. It's good to look ahead with faith. But also I'm very conscious that The last two, three years have been, in many ways, very tough. And, you know, if you just look globally and nationally, there's a whole lot of uncertainty out there. Hence, I think this series that we're focusing on here at the start of this new year is particularly pertinent. We're taking this theme, as you've already picked up on, which is the theme of being resilient. Say resilient. Resilient. Now, I love this definition, this dictionary definition of the word resilient. See if you could do with some more of this. Able to withstand or recover from difficult conditions. Able to recoil or spring back after bending, stretching, or being compressed. I like the idea of almost like no matter what comes at us, we're going to stand. And if we get knocked over, we're going to bounce back again. How many could do with a bit more of a bounce back anointing? (laughs) As you go into 2023, and so that's what we're looking at. And um, last um, week, Josh did a great job talking about one of the first, as it were, principles or keys as to how we can develop resilience. He Did a great job unpacking Psalm 1. And the heart of that Psalm, of course, is that we develop resilience by abiding, dwelling, in meditating in, and acting upon the written word of God. Trust you're not already behind on your Bible reading. I'm so enjoying New Year Bible reading. Um, But today I wanna kind of build on that and I want to focus on um, how we can keep our gaze on Jesus, the living Word of God. Uh, I love the scripture in Psalm 16, verse eight. Listen to David, the Psalmist He says, this is how he um, developed resilience, as it were. He says, I keep my eyes always where not on my circumstances, not on what's going on in my life or those around, not what I'm feeling, but I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So there's an intentionality. He's not just talking there, obviously, about his physical eyes. He's talking, as it were, keeping the eyes of his heart, his spiritual gaze, his focus On the Lord. Can I say that the number one key to resilience and to us being resilient in 2023 is somehow keeping our eyes fixed on the one who will never be shaken? And his steadfastness and his strength and his faithfulness begins to change us. But the question I want to ask today is if we are called to keep our eyes, our spiritual gaze on the Lord, how clear is yours and my vision? Of God. Do we really know the Lord? Because I believe a true vision of the Lord is a key to all of life and a key to us de- developing resilience. Talking of um, vision and eyes, a few months ago, Karen was doing some sorting. Now, Karen loves sorting. She tells me it's therapeutic. I think it's highly overrated. How many of you like sorting? How many think it's overrated? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the majority there, or maybe I'm just biased. Anyway, so she's doing some sorting, and she comes across a whole stack load of old glasses of mine that, you know, I'd put in some drawer, and um, she, she brought them out kind of quite enthusiastically. says, hey, try these on, see if they'll work. And, of course, I put them on, and it was from quite a while back, and it was a complete blur. I couldn't see anything. So such a relief to put back on my present glasses, my very focals These are fantastic things. I put them on and I could see everything clearly. The point was, <clears throat> there's no point having lenses that don't work or that blur our vision. We need, as it were, to have spiritual sight, particularly when it comes to seeing the Lord. Uh, the great A.W. Tozer wrote this. When, what comes to, into our minds when we think about God? Li- listen to this is the most important thing about us. The gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about anyone is not what they at any given time may say or do, but what they deep in their hearts conceive God to be like. In other words, the key to life The key to our Christian life, and I would say the key to resilience, if focusing our gaze on the Lord is a key to resilience, is actually making sure that we have a clear vision of who God really is. So what I want to do, and we're going to pick up on this actually on a whole series after Easter. So I've just got to kind of set the tone today for the start of this new year. I want to look at two aspects of God's nature. If you like, seeing through two different lenses, two aspects of who God is that often are pitted against one another, but actually they're part of the the, the wonderful uh, majesty of God. And it's the love of God and the greatness of God. Can we say those two words together, the phrases, the love of God and the greatness of God. Now, there's so much we could say about this, and I just want to acknowledge this is a huge subject, and God is more than just love and great. But I think these two headings kind of summarize two kind of aspects of God's nature. So, if we were to do a little kind of table here, we could say that under the heading of God is love, would you agree with me that God is gracious? Aren't you glad going into 2023 that you have a gracious God? That God is kind, He is merciful. He is good, we could go on. He's tender, he's gentle, he's near you. He bears with us. Wow. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a God who loves us and is compassionate. But under God is great, same God, would you agree that God is all-powerful? He is all-knowing, he is all-present, he is holy. We could go, he's sovereign, he's king, he's the judge. And I believe it's important that we have, as it were, both of these lenses working together and holding these two truths together. And I believe if we're going to develop true resilience, we need a clear vision of this real God. Now, if you go through the Bible, sometimes almost in the same verse or the same passage, you'll see these two threads running through. But the best place to look at who God is really like is in Jesus, That's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? God made himself known to us in the person of Jesus. So if we're going to go into 2023, a bit like going to an optician. How many of you have ever had an eye test? If you haven't, be grateful. I've had some eye tests. I don't enjoy them. Uh, But anyway, you, you need to go in. And the thing is, they want to get you to a point where both, as it were, lenses are the right prescriptions. So we need, if we are gonna see Jesus clearly, the real Jesus, we need the love of Jesus and the greatness of Jesus to be in focus. But it may be, as you come into this year, and it may be something to do with where you're at with the Lord. Maybe you don't even know the Lord. Maybe you've had experiences over your life. And it's possible for one or other of these lenses to be out of focus. So you might be, for example, not so strong in the greatness and the holiness of Jesus. Or maybe you you know about that, but you're not so sure about whether Jesus is really good and whether he's really loving. And so my prayer is at the start of 2023, God will sort out our vision, put on right lenses so we might see him clearly, and as a result, we'll be able to keep our eyes focused on the Lord and we will grow in resilience, amen? So, hence the title of the message is Resilient, seeing the real Jesus. And what I want to do is very briefly, I want to look at a character in the New Testament who I think in many ways knew Jesus better than anyone else. He was John, the disciple, member of the twelve, member of the three. I'm taking the traditional view that the same disciple, John, wrote John's gospel, wrote one, two, three, and John, and wrote the book of Revelation. So the first thing that John, the disciple, had a clear revelation of, if you look through the gospel, you look through the letters of one, two, three, and John, almost like the primary thing that he seems to have a revelation of is the love of God of Jesus. He was super clear in the love of Jesus. Now, um, Christmas isn't that um, far, back, far behind us. Trust you had a good Christmas. We had a great four-generational Christmas. Now, of course, the star of the show was Toby. He was just on really great form. Now, just a quick aside there. He's still, uh, we're still training him not to put his foot on the table. <laughs> So some of the laughter going on there between him and his nana is around there. Anyway, now, Toby is somebody who is majorly loved. He's loved by the whole family. Forgive me a granddad moment for a moment. I so love that boy. (laughs) I tell you, it's like, just gets me, any grandparents know what to do? It's like, gets you deep in here. I can't wait to see him again. Um, But the point is that Toby, like any other child, the more he knows he's unconditionally loved, particularly as he is by his mum and dad, the more he's gonna be secure, naturally speaking, and he's gonna develop natural resilience, which is a great quality, isn't it? The ability to recover, to withstand, to, to deal with the challenges of life. But if that's true in the natural, it's very much true in the spirit. If you and I are gonna develop resilience, almost like the primary thing that we need to know is we need to know how unconditionally loved we are by our Father through Jesus Christ. Deeply, unconditionally, eternally loved by him. And so let me give you a a little bit of uh, John's picture of Jesus. One scene I want to just home in on is the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciple... Disciples And John, in his gospel, writing about himself, I love this, says one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> he's got such a revelation, that's his, his identity. He says, I'm loved by Jesus. How many think that's a good revelation to have? Was reclining next to him. Now that word reclining next to him literally is reclining in his bosom or leaning on his chest in a holy, um, intimate way. Now this same phrase um, Appears in the prologue of John's gospel where it's talking about the eternal relationship between the Father and Jesus the Son. And you may have heard it if you know the old translation. One translation in, uh, translates it accurately is that Jesus was eternally in the bosom of the Father. So the same phrase is used of Jesus and the Father. And John and Jesus, one Bible commentator, great Bible commentator, D.A. Carson writes this. The verse before us may therefore suggest that the beloved disciple was in a relationship with Jesus analogous to the relationship Jesus enjoyed with his heavenly father. Wow, I mean, think about that. That's kind of theological language from <laughs> saying John's closeness with Jesus was somehow like the closeness between the Father and the Son. I mean, imagine enjoying a relationship with the Father and knowing his love through Jesus, similar or um, based on the Father's love for Jesus and vice versa. Do you think that's pretty close? Do you think that would change you if you walked around just knowing, I am as loved by the Father as Jesus is? So how could that be? Because I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me. You say, well, that was John. You know, I mean, he was with Jesus. What about us? Well, fast forward a few chapters to the the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He prays this stunning prayer for all believers. He says, then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, all believers, even as you have loved me. Do you get it? (laughs) Even as you've loved me. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in Jesus here today? There are only a few of you. Do you believe in Jesus here today? (laughs) You're a Christian. Is Christ in you? Well, then here's the the wonderful truth. The Father loves you like he loves Jesus because you're in him and he is in you. Come on, church. It's glorious. And it's not just head knowledge, because he goes on and he closes the prayer with this stunning prayer. He says, I have made, this is Jesus speaking, I have made you, the Father, known to them, believers, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and I myself may be in them. Now Jesus is alive, he is now our high priest, he's interceding for us. Can I suggest that right near the top of his prayer list for you and me, for Kingsgate Church this year, is that we might grow in a deep, uh, wide, long, high revelation of the love of the Father for us in Jesus. Because he knows that's the key that will unlock, it will break fear off your life. It will free you from anxiety, from a poverty mentality, from a sense of nothing's gonna go right for me. I don't know what's happening in my life. Knowing the love of God gives you a strength and a resilience. Um, I know when I first became a Christian, I think of all the amazing benefits, the peace, the sense of purpose, the sense of joy, it was just suddenly knowing this unconditional love of the Father to me just completely changed my life. Some of you heard about, how many know though that conversion is just the start point of your journey? How many know there's an ongoing revelation? And so about six years ago, I thought I was doing fine and in many ways I was, but the Lord wanted to do a deeper work. And so I've shared it before, but I started going on a journey. I got some external help and input into my life and I started going on a journey where the Lord started showing me areas where I wasn't quite so living in the security of knowing his love. And he set me free in areas of fear. And and I can honestly say that that journey continues. I'm so much healthier on the inside now than I was six years ago. Why? Because of a revelation of the love of God. And so I'm praying this for you, whether you don't yet know the Lord, whether you're here and you're holding on and you're not even sure where you are with the Lord, but you are a believer, or you're somebody who's been walking for years. There is so much more. There is so much more. And knowing the love of God is absolutely key. I mean, just this morning, I do one of the things I do in my devotions, I have like confessions, in Christ confessions. The first statement is, I'm com- in Christ, I'm completely loved by God. In Christ, I'm eternally loved by God. And I end my series of confessions with, and in Christ, I am deeply loved by my Father. So I have to remind myself, anyone else have a an ability to forget the love of God in the midst of the storms of life. But when you know the love of God, it makes you resilient. So I don't think it's any accident that when we see Jesus at the cross, do you know who's there still at the cross? Obviously, Mary, his mother, we have the women there, but John is there. We, we read in um, John 19, 26, who was there? The disciple whom he, Jesus, loved. I think there's something about John completely being transformed by the love of God that kept him resilient through Jesus' earthly ministry and, as we shall see, decades later. And as you come into this year, maybe right now, you are facing, or you, maybe you're still recovering from some of the storms of the last two, three years, or you're looking ahead and you're thinking, I've just got so much kind of challenge and stuff going on. Maybe it's bereavement. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's challenges at work. Maybe it's financial pressure. Can I say that the best thing you can do to grow in resilience is just to immerse yourself in the word of God and the spirit of God to know that you know that you know you're loved by God. He is for you. He is in you. He is with you. And not even death itself can separate you from his love in Jesus Christ. Amen. The worst that life can throw at you cannot separate you from the love of God. So for many of you may think, you know, first prayer you need to pray is, Lord, as it were, sort out my vision. Give me a clear revelation of the love of God. But there's another lens, as it were, another aspect of Jesus. And it's the greatness of Jesus. The greatness of Jesus. So scene Change. We move from the upper room in Jerusalem to about 60 years later to the Isle of Patmos, it's in the Aegean Sea. It's the same John, he's an old man now. He's exiled for his faith. In other words, he's kept going all the way through. If church history is to be believed, you know, he endured awful torture and persecution, but he's still there. And now he has another revelation of Jesus, Revelation chapter one. He said, "'I saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe "'reaching down to his feet "'with a golden sash around his chest. "'The hair on his head was white like wool "'as white as snow, "'and his eyes were like blazing fire. "'His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, "'and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters.'" In his right hand, he, had set, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double edged sword. His face was like the sun shining its all, in all its brilliance. Now, notice John's response. This is still Jesus, same Jesus who he leaned back on at the Last Supper. What, how does John respond now? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last, I am the living one, I was dead, and look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is, the, this is, a, this is still Jesus. It's the same loving Jesus who was about to go to the cross and die for John and for you and me. It was the same one who he felt so secure in that he could so loving that he could just trust him and lean back on him. But now notice John's response is not to lean back, it's to fall down as dead. If you read on in Revelation, this Jesus is the one who went to the cross, but he's now the risen, ascended, glorious, triumphant, reigning Jesus who's come to bring the judgments of God. He's the Jesus who moves around amongst the seven churches of Revelation. Can I say, says some pretty tough stuff to Christians who are messing around with the holiness of God. This is the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus who puts up with us, and yet he's the fiery Jesus. So I have a question for you. How developed is your greatness of Jesus' lens? Or how clear is it? You see, if we only have a love of Jesus' lens... We can, without understanding the greatness, the holiness, the majesty of Jesus, we can end up creating a God in our own image. Or maybe even not intentionally, creating a God that has been shaped for us not by the Bible and the Holy Spirit, but by the culture around us. Ending up with a Jesus who looks more like a 21st century Western sort of tolerant Jesus. Anything goes. Have you ever heard this? As long as you're not harming anyone else, as long as it feels right to you, ever heard that? That is all over our culture today. Can I say we're in danger of relegating Jesus to someone who is not the real Jesus. And as a result, it can leave us, yeah, I I believe in, you know, Jesus loves me, forgives me, I think. But it leaves us unable to be strong against the temptations of the world, the flesh and the devil, and we end up selling others short in our discipleship, we end up creating a discipleship path that is not the path of Jesus. Back to Toby, if I may. Yes, he's greatly loved. And I believe he, he knows that. But he's also slowly starting to understand that the key to a happy and fruitful life is that life has boundaries. So at Christmas, when we, you know, Karen carefully goes out and buys a fire guard and and we we get all ready and uh, we get everything out of harm's way and we say to Toby, you know, now, when he goes near the fire, now, Toby, don't touch. What are we trying to do? We're not trying to rob him of his fun. Or when we say, right, my study with the wood burner is out of bounds because it's hot, what are we doing? We're not being mean, we love him. But because we love him, you know, We still know more than him, and so do his parents. Life goes well when we understand God's boundaries, amen? And if we as imperfect grandparents and parents kind of get that, how much more does our loving, heavenly, perfect Father get that? He doesn't want us to live a life, as it were, against the way he's designed it, or against his holy character or nature, because he is a holy, awesome God. And so just as Jesus is so loving that we can completely trust him, Jesus is so great that we should completely revere him. It means that if we are gonna be strong and resilient in 2023 and the rest of our lives, we need to develop what the Bible talks about, which is the fear of the Lord. Not a cringing, oh, I'm scared of God. No, because when we know him, we can be close to him. But a right reverence and understanding that our God is above any other God. He's not a God of our own making. He is who he is, amen, and who he's revealed himself to be. He is a loving God and he's a holy God. He is merciful and he is awesome. From Toby back to Tozer. The church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted for it one so low, so ignoble, as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshipping men. This she has done, not deliberately, but little by little and without her knowledge, and her very unawareness only makes her situation all the more tragic. He continues, With our loss of the sense of majesty has come the further loss of religious awe and consciousness of the divine presence, We have lost our spirit of worship and our ability to withdraw inwardly to meet God in adoring silence. So my prayer for you and me this year, my prayer for us as a church is as well as, Lord, give us a revelation of how love we are is a revelation of how awesome he is. And if any way we've lost or never really gained a sense of his majesty. We've lost a spirit of true worship, but God will move in revival power and we will see the holiness and the majesty and the magnificence of God. And like John, sometimes it won't just be chilling out with Jesus, although I do a lot of that. It'll be falling on my face because I'm just overwhelmed with the glory and the wonder and the majesty of my God. Amen. It's the both and together. We need both... These lenses. So let me bring this to conclusion. Jesus is so loving that we can completely trust him. But Jesus is so great that we should completely revere him. Knowing these two things together are key to us walking and living in true resilience. Let me begin to wrap up with an illustration. Imagine you're going through a jungle, you're traveling through a jungle, and it's full of danger all around but you're riding on the back of a huge super large very fierce lion. Can I say the only thing you have to fear at that moment is the lion. You don't have to fear anything else? And CS Lewis in his uh, unique way so beautifully picks Jesus as Aslan the lion. I love the classic interaction, I'm sure you've heard it before, between Beaver and Susan. Beaver tells Susan that they're going to meet Aslan. But then he explains that Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about being safe? course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. If we're really gonna know God this year, if we're really gonna become all that God wants us to be, and if we're really gonna grow in true resilience, I believe we need to know that yes, he's the loving, but he's the awesome lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. He is loving and he's good. He's holy and he is Merciful, And so as we begin to respond now, think about this. Go back to the picture of the lenses. If you were to go, and today, let's imagine we're coming to the Holy Spirit, our great spiritual optician stroke optometrist. And he's here, and he wants to help correct our vision. Think about right now, is there one of these lenses that you need to bring into clearer focus. You need to ask the Lord's help and you need to go on a journey of discovery and invite the Holy Spirit to change you. Maybe you're here and you don't even know Jesus at all. It's all blurred. So right now, before we sing and we take communion, why don't you just put your hands um, on your eyes, on these physical eyes. And I want you to imagine these eyes are just symbolic of our spiritual sight. If you're conscious today, probably in some measure all of us, we all need to grow in this, but you're, you're aware. I sense there's a number of people here who, first, you are Christian here. You're watching online, you're in Cambridge, you're in Leicester. But you've just kind of allowed stuff. To blur your vision of Jesus, or maybe you've never really had a clear vision of this real Jesus. It's caused you either to get into fear or insecurity or worry, no peace, because you don't know the love of Jesus, or you've never really seen the holiness and the greatness of Jesus. And it's time of repentance. For many others of us, we've been walking with Jesus for years, but the, the challenge is, to I, I wanna see you more clearly. I want the reality <clears throat> of what I know in my head theologically to permeate every part of my experience. So it changes the way I view life and its challenges. Help me to develop new clarity. And then in advance of taking communion, if there's any of you here who don't know Jesus at all, the fact that you're here or you're watching is a sign that there's a curiosity, but you never really kind of known Jesus, never invited him to come in and change you and see him as he is. Why not right now? You pray a prayer, Lord, open my eyes. I wanna see you. And then begin to invite him to be Lord of your life.